Hey friends, and welcome to episode eight of It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. This is your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, and I'm thrilled to bring you today's episode. We're a little over a week away from the start of a brand new year and a sparkly new decade. So I'm going to bet that you've got a little planning on your mind. In this episode, I'll cover why you should consider making a plan for your year, plus the exact three-step process I use to plan my year, as well as ideas for how to plan so you don't get overwhelmed and give up before you start. And because I know that you're probably listening in the car or on the treadmill, I've got you covered. As usual, all the details about today's episode, from the step-by-step to the links I mentioned, can be found in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash eight. But this week, I've created something extra special for you, a totally free workbook and coaching video that you can use to plan your best year ever and set smart goals using the exact methods I share in this episode and in next week's episode. You can download your workbook and access your coaching video by visiting the show notes, abouttimepodcast.com forward slash eight. Did I mention this workbook and coaching video are free? But there's just one catch. This must-have combo for planning your year is only free until 11.59 p.m. on December 31st, 2019. On January 1, this planning set will be available for purchase in the ADK shop. So don't miss out and make sure you get your hands on this planning package while it's still free. And if you haven't yet, I encourage you to click on the subscribe button to be notified as soon as new episodes and surprise bonus episodes go live. And if you like what you hear, I'd be so grateful for your review. Your reviews play a huge role in helping others find out about It's About Time in the search results. And you might just get a shout out in a future episode, like this one from Ross45786. Ross45786 was so kind to leave a five-star rating and review in iTunes for It's About Time. The title of his review really cracks me up. It's Time Management. (laughs) He writes, even though this podcast is geared towards women, I learned some very valuable tips when it comes to managing my own time and prioritizing what's important to me. Start listening now. (laughs) Thanks so much, Ross45786. I'm so honored that you tuned in and that you found some valuable tips in my first few episodes. It's true. A lot of the examples I share in It's About Time are geared toward women. As a woman myself, a mom and a wife, I know that we tend to have a lot on our plates, but... I believe that my advice and the proven strategies I share on the podcast can be helpful to anyone. And I'm glad they've been helpful for you, Ross45786. And with that, it's about time we get started. So here we go. 
You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. In the summer of 2017, I spent a month and a half interning for my congressman on Capitol Hill. My days were spent doing super glamorous things like sorting mail, writing letters, congratulating folks back home on anniversaries and other milestones, and giving tours of the Capitol building to tourists who'd traveled up from Louisiana. One of my proudest accomplishments from that summer was researching and rewriting the tour script for my congressional office. And I still remember exactly where to find John Adams's famous whisper spot in Statuary Hall. On the weekends, I'd visit one of the Smithsonian museums, go for a run on the National Mall, or head over to Georgetown to check out a restaurant or do some shopping. One weekend, I metroed out to Arlington National Cemetery to lay a bouquet of Trader Joe's flowers on Jackie O's grave. And I planned that excursion for the week of her birthday, so that made the visit extra special. Before I left for D.C., I attended a D.C. summer internship meeting at LSU. There was a panel featuring some former D.C. interns. Some were Capitol Hill interns like I would be, while others got their experience at nonprofits or PR firms. It was at this unsuspecting event that I received some of the best, most profound advice of my life. Advice that made an impact far beyond my summer in the federal city. One of the students in the audience asked, what's your top piece of advice for a DC summer intern? And one of the panelists said this, there's so much to see and do in DC. Museums, historic sites, restaurants, bars, tours, day trips down to Mount Vernon, or train trips up to New York City. Before you go, make a list of everything you want to do while you're there and decide when you're going to do what. Use your weekends wisely. If you don't watch out, the entire summer can pass you by. You'll sleep in, go to the grocery, watch TV, and before you know it, The summer's over and it's time to pack up and fly home. You can't fit everything into one weekend. So be intentional. Be intentional. Robert, I'm pretty sure his name was Robert or it might have been Holly. Doesn't matter who it was. But this advice can be applied to so much more than just an internship summer. When you stand on the edge of a new year, It feels expansive and full of potential, opportunity, infinite possibilities. When the days and weeks stretch out before you, it feels like you have all the time in the world to do whatever it is that you want to do. And yet, how often do we find ourselves in October, 
November, realizing that we have 90-ish days left in the year and we still have so much left that we want to do. And we wonder, where did the time go? How did another year go by without organizing my family pictures? How am I still in this same job? How have I not reached my financial goals? What did I even do with my time? The fact is, the time is there. We just have to be intentional with it. Just like the advice I got before my DC intern summer, we have to decide what we want to do and decide when we're going to do it. So let's dig a little deeper into why it's so worth it to be intentional and plan your year. Here are three reasons why you should consider making a plan for your year. First, sketching out what you want your year to look like makes your day-to-day a whole lot more manageable. So what do I mean by this? When you set your goals at the beginning of the year, you define your finish lines and mile markers for the year. It's a whole lot easier to prioritize how you'll spend your time each day when you know exactly what you're aiming for. But if you don't have goals, projects, or good habits that you're working toward, everything will feel really open-ended and potentially overwhelming. You don't really know how to spend your time or what to do first. So instead of spending time on something that's going to move you closer to a goal, you put out whatever the fire of the day is. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. And then the next squeaky wheel gets the grease, but nothing really changes. You're being reactive instead of proactive. Second, planning your year helps you make progress on long-term goals. Very rarely do big, good things happen overnight. We should all know by now that there's very rarely a true overnight success. Big things take time, and many goals are achieved little by little over a long stretch of time. Some things just take more than one week or month or quarter to achieve. Just like you can't see all of the D.C. tourist hotspots in one weekend of your intern summer, some goals need to be spread out over the year. Like this podcast, for example. I started on October 1st and launched on December 2nd. By planning your year out in advance, it helps you decide what's realistic and when you can actually make progress on long-term goals based on other things going on in your life. Third, it keeps you from overloading yourself in January and setting yourself up for failure. A lot of times we kick off the year feeling super excited about all of the potential and possibilities. So we decide we're going to start waking up at 5 a.m. every day, start a new diet, start half marathon training, start renovating the laundry room, and start piano lessons all in January. And then we promptly get burnt out and frustrated when we can't keep up the pace. There are a few different dates floating around, but... I believe that recent research shows that most people give up on New Year's resolutions less than 20 days into the new year, right around January 17th. And by the way, 
I don't even make New Year's resolutions. And you can find out why and what I do instead in next week's episode. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it. Planning your year gives you an opportunity to space new starts throughout the year so they're more manageable and you're more likely to stick to them. I like to assign a certain theme to some months of the year so I can focus on different areas of my life. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a bit. Now that we've covered a few reasons why planning your year makes a whole lot of sense, let's talk about what planning your year might look like. Honestly, planning your year could take a lot of different forms depending on what you have going on in your life, whether you're a 1099 or a W-2, and whether you have kiddos or are kid-free. Maybe you've been interested in the idea of planning your year for a while now, but whenever you open your planner and sit down, you're not really sure how to start. All of the blank squares suddenly feel intimidating and you don't want to make a wrong choice. So for the rest of this episode, I'm going to share the three-part process I use to plan my year. A process that I started almost a decade ago and have refined year after year as I've learned more about myself and as I've studied best practices and learned from experts. So now when you sit down to plan your year, you'll know exactly what to do. One thing to note, I don't get into the nitty gritty of planning my year in business in this episode. That's a whole different ball game that involves setting revenue goals, planning offers, launches, content, and time off. If you're a small business owner and you're interested in my annual business planning process, shoot me an email at Anna at AnnaDCornick.com and let me know. I might just do a future episode or hold a virtual masterclass on business planning if it's something you're interested in. Before I get in planning mode, I grab everything I need. A stack of loose leaf paper, a stack of white copy paper. Sometimes I like lines, sometimes I don't. So I like to have both close by depending on how I'm feeling in the moment. A few of my favorite blue pens, a few highlighters, and my favorite right now are these pastel erasable ones, neon post-it page flags, a giant wall calendar, my 2020 planner. This year I'm using Emily Lay's Dapper Desk in sky blue. I'll make a big cup of coffee and a big glass of ice water, light a yummy candle, and maybe put on some classical piano music. And I'm really excited because this year I've captured my whole planning process in the workbook that I'm sharing with you. So I'll be using that workbook too. And of course, I'll list and link all of this stuff in the show notes if you want the details. Those show notes are at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash eight. So here we go. Part one is all about looking back, focusing on the past before stepping into the future. I think back over the past year, maybe I'll turn pages in my planner, remembering how I spent certain days and months, or I'll scroll through the months in my Google calendar, zeroing in on especially memorable moments. After Camilla was born in January, 
I started one of those little journals where you write a few sentences about each day. I've absolutely loved it. There's so little space for each day that you're forced to condense your thoughts into what was most important, the best representation of that day. So this year, I'll probably skim through that. I ask myself these four questions, and I answer each question twice, thinking about first my personal and then my professional life. First question, what worked this past year? What worked personally and what worked professionally? Then I just start writing whatever comes to mind. This could look like mornings that I woke up early and had some time to start the day before Camilla woke up were pretty great. Switching to Acuity for automated appointment scheduling was awesome and cut down on email back and forth. It's just thinking about and writing down what you did this past year that worked. Next question, what didn't work this past year? What didn't work personally and what didn't work professionally? This could be things you tried that didn't really work out or habits that you started and fell off your radar. I didn't go to the gym a single time in November. It didn't feel good. So why? Well, because I was super head down focused on launching the podcast. And I was afraid that if I gave myself 45 minutes at the gym, then I wouldn't hit my launch date. I don't want to fall into that pattern of thinking in 2020. So taking time to identify what didn't work and why it didn't work can help you and me be aware of any potential pitfalls in the year ahead. Third question, what were my biggest wins or what am I most proud of? Again, personally and professionally. Good luck not smiling and being super proud of yourself as you're writing this section. Two things here. First, let yourself sing your own praises. It's okay to be proud of hard work you've put in and the results you've gotten. And if you feel awkward about this, remember that it's for your eyes only. Also, no matter how your year went, you have something to be proud of. I can't imagine that in 365 days, you don't have at least one win. And remember, your wins don't have to be these huge, mind-blowing things. For me, one of my wins for 2019 is starting on my photo organizing project. I didn't finish it, but oh my gosh, I started it. I made progress on something that felt super daunting and overwhelming. Let yourself be proud of your progress. Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. 
in my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. Last question. What did I learn this year? What were my biggest lessons, both personally and professionally? What did you learn about yourself? What did you learn from your wins, from your mistakes? And what might you do differently in the coming year? A lot of times I'll grab my vision board for the year and reflect on the images I chose to represent my goals for the year and think about the different ways that the vision became reality what happened, what didn't, and why. One thing I want to note here before I move on, it can be super easy to get excited and wanna skip this part and just move straight to the planning. But I encourage you to slow down and let yourself look back and reflect. You'll find that you have a much better picture of where you're coming from in order to decide where you're going next. Okay, once I've looked back, I move on to part two, present. This part of the process is all about who I am right now, and it changes from year to year. So I start with a list of roles and responsibilities. I'll grab a loose leaf sheet and write down everything I am in this season of my life. All of the different roles I play and the many hats I wear. First, I start with the obvious family roles, wife, mother, daughter, sister, daughter-in-law, sister-in-law, cousin, niece, aunt, granddaughter. Then I'll add personal and professional roles. When I sit down to do my planning, I'll be a little bit more specific with some of these, but a few examples include friend, business owner, coach, volunteer, podcast host, client. Even though these roles don't change that much from year to year, sometimes you might add a few and a few others will go away. This year, I added mother and podcast host to the list. It's important to write these down because it causes you to think about 
how you're currently fulfilling and showing up in each of these roles. Then, once I've listed each of the roles I play in life, I jot down a few bullets with ideas for how I can excel in those roles in the upcoming year. What does being a good aunt to my nieces look like? What does being a good coach look like? Getting these ideas out on paper helps shape what will become my goals for the year. After I capture who I am by writing down roles, I capture what I do by writing down responsibilities, aka the different areas of my life. Here are some examples. Spiritual, financial, hobbies, fun, travel. You could also call this recreation if you want. Health and fitness, friendship, work, community service, home, marriage, and family. And there will definitely be some overlap between your roles and your responsibilities, but thinking in terms of the different areas or categories or departments of your life helps you develop a more well-rounded overview of how you're spending your time and what has your attention. You might think of something that isn't exactly captured in a role, like spirituality or hobbies. And your responsibilities may change from year to year, which is another reason why it's important to evaluate what's current in your life. Once you've listed the different areas of your life, just like you did with roles, check in with how you feel about each of these areas of life and jot down a few ideas for each. I'll write down things I'd like to do, things I'd like to start or work toward. Good habits I might want to start. Again, don't feel like you have to write 20 things for each category or aim for any kind of perfection. You're just getting your juices flowing for what's next. And now we head into part three, future. I kick this part off by doing one of my favorite coaching exercises the list of 100 dreams. I actually learned about this exercise in the book 168 Hours by Laura Vanderkam. The title of the book, 168 Hours, references the number of hours we have in a week. Laura recommends writing down 100 dreams you want to experience as a starting point for deciding how you want to spend your time in life. Anything from places you want to visit, to languages you want to learn. And it's definitely not just limited to the upcoming year. Just go crazy. What are those big, audacious dreams that live inside of you? Some of mine are go back to Costa Rica, see the Eiffel Tower, write a book, speak to an audience of 5,000 people, bike the Tammany Trace, and take Camilla to Disney World. Once I've got that list of 100, or almost 100, I'll look over it and group things that are similar, like travel dreams or family activities, for example. This is also the point that I'll brainstorm what I'd like to do in my business in the next 10, 5, and 3 years, and in the upcoming year. I'll look at what I wrote down last year as a starting point. I'll ask, what kind of services or products do I want to launch? books I'd like to write, and general business ideas. I even make lists of what kind of media coverage I'd like to get. Hello, today's show? I'm ready. (laughs) Now it's time for goal setting. 
I'll look over what I wrote in part one. What worked, what didn't, biggest wins and lessons learned. I'll scan my roles and responsibilities and I'll review the list of 100 dreams and the business brainstorm and I'll begin to formulate my goals for the year. One potential pitfall at this part, getting super excited and setting way more goals than you can realistically accomplish in a year. That's not good goal setting. It's just a good way to set yourself up for failure, burnout, and disappointment. I recommend setting three to five big goals for your year and being strategic by spacing out when you'll focus on each one and when they'll have overlap. I know it can be super hard to narrow it down, especially when we just came up with a list of so many great ideas, but challenge yourself to make a list of 10 goals and then rank them one through 10 in order of importance. Then focus on those top five first. Why narrow it down like this? Because you'll get further by focusing your time on progress toward five goals versus making small progress on 10 goals. This is a good point to pull out your planner or post a big calendar up on the wall. Things to consider. When are your busiest times of the year? When are your slower times of the year? Not just for you, but for your significant other. What are the key dates on your kid's school calendar that you need to be aware of? Do you already have time blocked off for vacation or travel? Maybe some of your goals are time bound or have dates attached to them, like a half marathon in November or international travel during a slow season in July. Estimate your timeframes and map out how you'll achieve your goals. Write down your steps. Another great planning tip here is to choose themes for all or some months of the year. Just like you can't make progress on every single goal in January, spreading out certain goals or to-dos across the months can be a great way to pace yourself. I don't have a theme for January, but in February 2020, I'm planning to do a full financial audit of my business finances examining all of the current recurring expenses and subscriptions, mapping out investments I'd like to make, a new microphone or printer perhaps, as well as revamping our family budget now that Camilla is transitioning from baby to toddler. And you better believe I'm calling it Finance February. <laughs> a few years ago, I dedicated a month to figuring out professional development. I was new to New Orleans and wanted to learn more about what professional organizations existed in the city and what I could join. And saving that research and action to a specific month helped me not to feel so overwhelmed or like I had to do everything at once while I was still getting settled in a new city. Telling myself that April was professional development month helped me feel like I wasn't falling behind because I'd scheduled time to look into it. One thing here, don't feel like you have to give every month a theme and they can be whatever you want. Maybe you want to dedicate a month to finances like I am, or maybe you want to set aside a month to focus on making renovation plans or a month to clean out your attic and your closets. It's your year. Do what you want to. And I know I've covered the goal setting part a little quickly, 
I could probably dedicate an entire episode just to goal setting. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. (laughs) In next week's episode, episode nine, you'll learn why I don't set New Year's resolutions and what I do instead. Hint, hint, it's goal setting. So you've made your list of goals, narrowed them down, prioritized them, and decided when you'll focus on each one so you're not overwhelmed, overloaded, and overscheduled. We're in the home stretch, and this part's really fun. I like to wrap up this planning sesh by choosing a word of the year and creating a vision board that represents my goals and what I want the upcoming year to look like. Choosing a word of the year sets the tone for your year as a whole. It sort of encompasses the overarching theme of your goals and what you're working toward. Here's what I mean. In 2017, my word was growth. I grew new friendships, grew my financial freedom by paying off debt, and learned a lot about myself by trying a lot of new things. In 2018, it was edit. I very intentionally added things like taking a coaching course and intentionally cut other things like unnecessary guilt and doing too much. Overall, I carefully considered what was currently in my life and needed to go and what was missing and should be added. My 2019 word was foundation. With a brand new baby in January, I wanted to lay a strong foundation of family values, family traditions, and good routines. And with a brand new business focus, I wanted to lay a solid foundation of processes, workflows, and long-term goals. Anytime I wanted to get distracted and chase something shiny, I asked myself, will this build my foundation? With 2020 only a few days away, I'm leaning toward build as my word for the year. Build is a lot like growth, but it requires a plan, a blueprint. It requires forethought and intention, and it requires a strong foundation. And I feel so good about the foundation I laid in 2019 that I'm ready to start building up. In the coming year, I'm hoping to build this podcast audience build my business by rolling out new ways to serve clients, and maybe even write that book that's living in my head. So think about what your word of the year might be. And once you have it, write it down and post it somewhere you'll see it. There's a yellow mini post-it on my computer monitor that says foundation, and I see it every single day. Okay, The last thing I want to tell you about is something that I used to think was so dumb. Vision boards. I don't know why, but I always rolled my eyes at the thought of creating a vision board. It just seemed like a silly waste of time art project, and it wasn't for serious people like me. (laughs) And then I took a course in early 2018 by Shanna Skidmore called The Blueprint Model. And one of the very first assignments in the course was to create a vision board. So I told myself, okay, if I'm going to be all in and do this right, I'm going to make a vision board. 
You can make a vision board by cutting out pictures of magazines and glue sticking them to a poster board. But this is how I made mine. I created a secret or hidden Pinterest board and pinned images that represented my goals and what I wanted my life to look like in a year. Then I downloaded each of those images to my desktop. Next step, I opened up Canva, which is a free graphic design tool and created a new design with a grid for a bunch of pictures. Then I just dragged and dropped my images directly into Canva to create my vision board. I printed out three copies, a small one that I taped to the inside cover of my planner, a full page one that I taped to the wall in my office, and a second full page board taped up on the wall in my closet where I see it every single morning and evening as I'm putting on and taking off my jewelry. Just like having a word of the year kept me focused, having this visual representation of what I wanted my life to look like also kept me focused. I'll share both my 2018 and 2019 vision boards in the show notes so you can take a look. But it's amazing to me how much of my vision became reality. And I have to believe it's because I was constantly reminded of what I was working toward. So to recap, part one, past. Look back before you look forward. Part two, present. Who are you right now? And what do you do right now? Part three, future. Set goals, pick dates, word of the year, vision board. And there you have it. I hope that you found this episode to be helpful as you're embarking on a brand new year and a brand new decade. I'd love to hear your plans for 2020. So join the podcast community by visiting abouttimepodcast.com forward slash community. As always, all the details about today's episode can be found in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash eight, including the limited time only free workbook and coaching video. Also, you might have noticed that there was basically no mention of New Year's resolutions in this episode about planning my year, and that's because I don't make them. Tune in next week for episode nine of It's About Time, when I'll be sharing why I don't make New Year's resolutions and what I do instead. Thanks again for tuning in and talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.